Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This past Friday saw an historic day within the United States and among those who exercise our religion freely in this country, which we call home. The Supreme Court handed down a five to four decision in several cases, declaring it a fundamental right in the United States for same-sex couples to marry and have those marriages recognized by other states. They got it wrong. They got it wrong according to God's word. They got it wrong according to natural law. They got it wrong according to the very definition of what marriage is. And so we will stand in the free exercise of our religion and continue to proclaim that marriage is between one man and one woman, a lifetime union, united by God for the procreation of children, for the comfort of husband and wife, and for their mutual joy and companionship. For our Lord himself has said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And regardless of what five justices may say marriage needs to be defined as, no matter how hard they will try to impose upon us a definition and an exercise of our religion that would be against our conscience, we will not. We will stand upon the Word of God. For it is only upon the Word of God that we find hope and healing and peace. It is the sole rule and norm of what we believe, teach, and confess, what we say and do, how we come together as the body of Christ. As news spread that that decision had been announced, I was present at the Ohio District Convention being held at Concordia University in Ann Arbor. And as the chairman of the Resolutions Committee, we quickly quickly composed a resolution and was passed by that body, by your representatives of your brothers and sisters in Christ from other churches across Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky. And our brothers and sisters in Christ across the Missouri Synod and all who are remaining faithful to God's word join us in that confession, saying that we will stand upon God's word. We will marry a man and a woman and pray for their lifelong union and blessing. We committed ourselves to sustaining them, to praying for them, to holding them up in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, till death do they part. And equally, we also committed ourselves to extending care and compassion to those who are affected by same-sex attraction. There are families, even gathered among us here today, no doubt, whose lives have been impacted by individuals, perhaps even themselves, who deal with being attracted to those of the same sex. Whether it be your immediate family or your distant family, your friends, your neighbors, a co-worker, we extend care and compassion in God's word for it is our only source 
of what we will say and do. We will extend God's care and compassion in hopes that by the work of the Holy Spirit, all would be led to repentance and forgiveness that comes only from Christ. For we know that if Christ will forgive sinners, then He also will forgive me and you. We stand together as sinners forgiven, not with a pompous or arrogant moral superiority, but with a humility that comes from repentance and faith in the joy of our own sins forgiven. In my own ministry, I have stood at the altar of God and extended forgiveness to those who have confessed their sin of same-sex attraction and the desire to act on those and a history of acting on those desires. As they express their repentance, just as you express your repentance, it was my privilege to offer to them and give to them and assure them of God's forgiveness and grace. To administer to them the very body and blood of Christ for the strengthening of their faith as they wrestle with their cross of sin. And I offer it and extend it to you as you bear your cross and affliction of sin, whatever it may be. Whether it be sins of heterosexual attraction, sins of greed or gossip, coveting, or avarice. We act out not in malice toward others, but with respecting their true dignity as children of God. Dignity as being a creation of the one true God made in His image and offer to them a joy and pleasure greater than any they could imagine. And by aligning their lives with the very will of God and according to His blessings. Because by extending Christ to our neighbor, we offer them the greatest peace. Christ extended to a neighbor is what brought the woman afflicted with a flow of blood healing in the gospel according to Mark today. Extending Christ to another is what brought Jairus peace and his daughter life again. This is upon which we stand. The hope that comes only from Christ. No doubt, in various political affiliations, you may disagree. You may disagree with me. You may disagree with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But ultimately, as we stand upon only the Word of God, you would disagree with His Word. And so today begins not, is, today is not the end of a conversation about these issues, but the beginning. The beginning of a conversation as we each grapple and wrestle with the definition of marriage as it is, not as we would imagine it to be. How we extend Christ's care and compassion to all people, even to those who will persecute us and slander us and say all kinds of evil things on account of Jesus' name. We will begin a conversation, a conversation that will be seasoned only with love and care and compassion and built upon a sure foundation of God's word. We will not waver, but we will not act in anger or in harm. We don't know what the effects of such a ruling will be. 
We do not know. We do not know what it would mean for our tax-exempt status or for the ability to perform marriages on behalf of the state and solemnize them. We do not know what it will do to our free exercise of religion, not simply our ability to worship freely, that somehow our religion is confined only to these four walls, but it may indeed have an effect on our ability to live according to our beliefs in every aspect of our life. But we will stand with boldness and with confidence, and we will stand together upon the Word of God. For we know that whatever we may suffer, it is Christ who has already suffered it. He, He has led us through. He has already forgiven us of our sins. He has already overcome this world in which we will have trials and tribulations. So later this summer, we will have a series of Bible studies dealing with marriage, what it is, what it has been defined to be now in these United States, and what it may mean for you and your life and for those whom you love. The best thing that we can do for every one of our neighbors is to extend to them the hand of the body of Christ. For when this woman afflicted with a great trial of blood touch the body of Jesus, she was healed. And I have seen people touched by this body of Christ, of St. Paul Lutheran Church, and the healing and the hope that it has brought them in even their darkest times. We are the body of Christ. We each have a role to play, a part that keeps us moving and rolling. God has brought you here specifically and with a purpose and as we are the body of Christ, many will come to us seeking to touch Jesus and to be healed by Him and given hope and forgiveness. And even we who are in the body of Christ rejoice that we have that forgiveness. And as forgiven children, we extend it to others. We ask for it from others. And we rejoice. The woman, and also Jairus, looked to Jesus in faith and with confidence. They would look nowhere else. Jairus came to Jesus and said, My daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be made well and live. Jairus was concerned for his daughter. And as Jesus pressed through the crowd and the woman touched him, and as she came forth and told him the whole truth, See what Jesus called her. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. The care and compassion that we see in Jairus toward his daughter is what we see in Jesus toward that woman. It is what your heavenly Father has toward you. For you are his daughter. You are his son. You are his beloved. For you have been called by His name in the waters of holy baptism. He bids that you be given something to eat and you are given His body and blood and it strengthens you. We look to Jesus in faith as that woman did and as Jairus did and it brings them healing and life. Jesus confronts death in the house of Jairus and He is mocked for it. They laughed at Him because he would bring her back to life. So he brought in those who did believe him, 
the father, the mother, Peter, James, and John, he took her by the hand and said, little girl, get up. And she did. Her recovery didn't begin. It was complete. It was full. She got up and began walking. Really, the word is she began running around. Because you know what? That's what 12-year-old girls do. When they are well and when they are healthy, they run around and are filled with joy because they are whole. And so Jesus brings you wholeness. That you can arise and live and move and have your being in Him. And whatever trials and crosses may be thrust upon us by the civil realm, by our own sin, and by our own flesh, in the touch of Jesus, you are healed. You have faith. You are well. You have life. You are forgiven of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.